Thanks for joining us. You're listening to the Life Church Podcast. In these episodes, you will hear encouraging messages from our weekend services. If you'd like to know more about us, watch a live stream, or find the closest Eastern Iowa campus near you, go to lifechurchnow.org. We're in this series called Unleashed Faith, and there's a word that as I was kind of preparing for this week, uh, a word that I think um, speaks to what I believe God wants to speak to us in our own spirits as we move ahead, as we, as we move towards living a life of unleashed faith, and it's the word bravery. Bravery. It's going to take bravery to see realize the dreams that God has in your heart and life. I'm going to talk more about that in a minute. We'll get into a story in 1 Samuel chapter 14, but many of you know that I like motorcycles and particularly off-road stuff. I, 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 we used to have dirt bikes years ago, and then I got too old for dirt bikes, sort of. I'm having like a post-midlife midlife crisis, I think. <laughs> is, is there a such thing as that? I don't know. But uh, I had dirt bikes, and I said, yeah, I'm too old for this. So I went to Harley's, had a couple Harley's. And then I went back and I bought an adventure bike this summer and got rid of my Harley. And so, like, I'm going back, but I'm, like, my back hurts right now, you know. <laughs> Anyways, I like off-roading. There's a, there's a personality that I follow on, on YouTube. Her name is uh, Nora Lee Schoonmaker. She's Dutch. She's from Holland. Uh, here's a picture of her. She, uh, she travels, she's, her claim to fame is, fame is that she's traveled um, 75,000 miles around in different places, these long journeys, months-long journeys, and, uh, and she's, uh, she's been in 40-plus countries, and she's done this all alone with no film crew, no support team following her in a van. And, and honestly, when I, when I first heard that about her, I thought... I don't know if that's true. You have to ask Ben, ben, ben uh, uh, Statler, who, who's on staff with us. Ben, um, Ben's kind of our tech guru and knows all about drones and that kind of stuff. And, and so I said, I, look, this, somebody took her picture, right? That's what I thought. You know, and then there's these other videos where, she, you know, they're like, it's, she's riding and there's a, the, and I said, they say she claims that she's all alone with no film crew and whatever, you know, and I'm like, I don't know if I believe that. He says, oh, no, they do that all the time now, he said. You can have this small little drone that fits in the palm of your hand, and you just program it, and it'll actually follow you and take pictures for you and all that kind of stuff, and I just didn't believe it. So now I believe it. I believe that she truly is alone. Um, uh, Norley, she this year started on a journey between um, Ecuador, the country of Ecuador, and and Alaska. She's got her she's, her final destination is Alaska, and I've been watching her videos. Here's an, in this next picture. Here she is. She's in the uh, Andes Mountains where she started in Ecuador, and uh, she's you know just stops to take a picture of the scenery and you know her on this on this motorcycle. She has been through all kinds of circumstances. Just crazy. She's been subject to armed robbery. She's put that motorcycle on this tiny little launch, you know, trying to cross, you know, in the Caribbean from Colombia to Panama. Uh, she's, uh, she's, she does these border crossings where she gets to the border and she's like, and they say, oh, no, you can't cross because you need this and you need this. And she has to spend another four or five days trying to get her passport all fixed up so she can get across. All kinds of things. She's 
been subject to storms and mountains. She's, uh, she's ridden to places only to find there's no place to stay. And I mean, it's just crazy. So Christy and I watch her and, and every time an episode ends, in fact, her latest episode was September 9th and she's somewhere in the wilderness of Canada. Okay. Every time we watch and the episode ends, Christy and I look at each other and say, that woman is brave. <laughs> that's, that's our response. Because who would do this kind of stuff? This is just crazy that she would actually travel this way. And yet, that's exactly what she does. We're impressed by her bravery. And it just makes me think about us in our journey. In fact, every journey you embark on will, will require bravery to complete. Every journey you embark on will, 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 require, will require bravery to complete, even your faith journey. In fact, I'm feeling that, and through some of the conversations I've had, I'm feeling that there are some of you in this room that when we started this Unleashed Faith series, some of you said, yes, Rich, I'm ready. I'm ready for my life. I'm ready for my life to count 24-7 for my Christian faith to be consistent. No more Christian games for me. I want to totally follow after Christ. I want to be all in with Jesus. Whether that means to start being generous with my finances, or whether that means I need to become a better husband or I need to become a, a better wife, I just want to be all in with Jesus. It might mean that I need to be a better parent. This is all coming to me. I want to be all in with Jesus. Some of you are here and you're saying, yes, I feel like God's calling me to ministry, but fear has kept me back. I want to be all in with Jesus. Now, a couple weeks have passed, and the way it normally is is that when you make these faith commitments. All of us at some point in our life have made a faith commitment. We're going to go in that direction. We believe that God's calling us. We make this faith commitment, and it's great. We're so excited. And then a few weeks pass, and next thing you know, you start seeing storm clouds, you know, starting to form. And, and, and then there's the people who come into your life and say, no, you can't do that. That's impossible for you to do. And then uh, you start looking at your checkbook, and you're like, I'm not sure I can accomplish this. And there's all kinds of things that start popping up, and you start second-guessing your commitment to just go after Christ, right? You start second-guessing. You start even thinking that maybe you're going to pull back. You're going to quit. And I just want to say to you, be brave. Be brave. Don't, don't quit. Every journey you embark on is going to require bravery to complete. Definition of <clears throat> bravery or brave is having or showing mental or moral strength to face danger, fear, or difficulty. Now, we get together in church, and we don't really like talking about those words, right? Danger, fear, difficulty. We want to talk about, you know, safety, security, blessing, and pleasure. Those are the things that we really enjoy talking about. Uh, but, but danger, fear, difficulty, that's, that's come on, Rich. <laughs> Let's not talk about that. If you've been around in your Christian walk for any length of time, you'll know that you have come to places in your life that your faith has called out of you the necessity to face danger, fear, difficulty. The necessity out of you to be brave in the face of those things. I remember when I was a... Uh, a kid, I was like 15 years old, the first, time I, the first time I actually jumped off of a high dive, okay? Now, some of you know this, um, 
I'm not friends with heights, okay? So that's just, I'm just gonna be honest. I don't like heights. Like I would, you would never, ever catch me jumping out of a perfectly good airplane. I'm just not gonna do that. My daughter has done it. She rubs it in my face, but I, sorry, good for you. I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> you know, I just, I'm not, that's not me. When, when, when I was young in ministry and I was an associate pastor at a church, the youth group of that church made a commitment to raise $10,000 for Speed the Light. And the challenge was, they said, if we, this is a, if we raise $10,000 for Speed the Light, will the, Bob Holloway, who was the, the, the youth pastor, will Bob Holloway and Pastor Rich, will they bungee jump? And so when they said that, I said, you mean like tie this really flimsy rubber band around your feet and then jump off of a bridge? No, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> so I, was, uh, I just didn't do it. You know, I wasn't going to do it. So, but I'm like 15 years old and my, my, my brothers are, I have a younger brother who it's like he's not afraid of anything and he jumped off several times and now they were making fun of me. They were saying, ah, Ricky, he can't do it. He's scared, you know, other more colorful language. And, uh, and, and so finally, I'm like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to prove that I can do this. So I climb up this, you know, there's a long line. So I climb up this, this thing to get up to this high dive, you know. To be honest, it was only like 10 or 12 feet above the water. It wasn't that bad. But, uh, but I climb up, you know, when you're 15 years old, you're like terrified of things like that. But I climb up. I get all the way to the edge of the high dive, and I look down, and I kid you not, I must have been 500 feet up in the air. At least that's what it felt like. Like I was way, way up there, right? I'm looking down and all these thoughts start running through my head like, yeah, you're going to jump and you're going to belly flop and your guts are going to come out everywhere and people have to clean up the pool after you because you, you ruined it for everybody. You know, I'm, I'm thinking this stuff, right? <laughs> and, and so what happens is that after I process all the, all the p- potential things that could happen, I turn around to walk off, and there's this big guy standing there at the edge. You know, there's a long line behind him, you know. And he's standing there and says, there's only one way down. And it's not this way. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I, I, had, I had to jump. And uh, it, was, uh, it was scary. But you know what happens when you do it. You do it, and then you're like, ah, that wasn't so bad. I didn't die, right? Um, <clears throat> but the question there was, do I... When I was at that, on that platform, is do I advance? Do I go forward? Or do I retreat? And I suspect that many of us are posed with that question oftentimes in our life. Do we advance or do we retreat? Whether it's in any arena of life, your finances, your relationships, your careers, your faith in God. There's a question that we find ourselves, a crossroads we find ourselves in, it's, Am I going to move forward or am I going to shrink back? What am I going to do here? And if you're asking yourself that question, I just want to challenge you, be brave. Be brave. That's really the question that was being faced by the Israelites in 1 Samuel chapter 14. We're going to, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. But uh, this happens around the year 1025. It was common for the Israelites to be at war with the Philistines and regularly they would fight each other. And, uh, you know, gain some ground this way, that way. That would happen typically. But in this particular case, the, the Philistines vastly outnumbered the Israelites. Um, in fact, most of the Israelite fighting men, that, well, they had, first of all, the Philistines had taken away every weapon that the Israelites had. Even their farming tools had been taken from them. And then most of the fighting men 
had been conscripted into the Philistine army. So they're Israelite fighting men. They're part of the Israelite army. And now they are fighting with the Philistines against the Israelites. Okay. There was a group of men, another bunch of men, that fighting men that did not uh, get conscripted in. And they managed to escape. They ran for their lives. They hid in, the, they, they, they hid in caves in the hills. And then what the Israelite armies left with is, was 600, 600 fighting men. That's it. King Saul and his son Jonathan were the only two of the 600 that actually had a weapon. So it's contrast. So you read the story, you'll see in, in chapter 13, you'll see that the, the Philistines, they were, on, on the other hand, they had 3,000 charioteers. Six, uh, sorry, 3,000 chariots and 6,000 charioteers. And then to basically try to depict the, sat, the vastness of their army, their foot soldiers, which they, they basically could not count. They said they were as vast as the sand of the sea. Like there's so many of them, we can't even count them. And this is really what the, what the Israelites we're facing it's in these moments, it was overwhelming odds. And you ask yourself the question, do we advance or do we retreat? Honestly, with those odds, it would be logical. Retreat. Pull away. Fight another day. You know, you've heard that kind of stuff, right? Do we advance or do we retreat? <clears throat> I feel like God is speaking to us as a community, as a church, about advancing the gospel. We've always been about advancing the gospel, but we're in a season now that I think he's calling us to a greater level of faith. There's four words I really want to land on today that they have been very significant for me. They've been seared in my spirit over the years, and particularly since we launched Life Church 17 years ago, they, they have really become a part of this, like, my, like the ethos of my ministry philosophy. And, uh, and these words, they speak of bravery, they speak of faith, the first word is the word choose or choice. Choose or choice. <clears throat> you see, faith helps us make brave choices. Faith helps us make brave choices. In the story of the Israelites, they're cowering in fear. They're overwhelmed. The, uh, they've been, King Saul, the king, is hiding under a pomegranate tree. He's afraid. He, he sees the odds. He knows that they are vastly outnumbered. He knows that there's no way they're going to be able to win this war conventionally at least, right? And so they're kind of holding back. Maybe Saul is living in denial a little bit. Maybe he's saying to himself, you know, if I just sit here for a little while, it'll all go away. I don't know. Maybe, but I think it's relevant because sometimes that's how we feel. We find ourselves at a crossroads of whether do we advance or do we retreat and uh, sometimes it's better just to sit and kind of ignore the problem, ignore the decision. Maybe it'll just all go away. But then there's times in our life when we find ourselves at that crossroad, and I would suggest that most of the times in our, in our lives when we find ourselves at that crossroad that we have to do something. And I say that with emphasis. We have to do something. Sitting around is just not enough. In verse 1 of 1 Samuel 14, you see, you see Jonathan, sorry, my, my iPad just kind of, I'm going to read the text, but I can't read the text. First Samuel 14, verse 1, he says this, One day Jonathan, son of Saul, said to his young armor bearer, Come, let's go over. Here's an action word. Let's go over 
to the Philistine outpost on the other side. So they're sitting, just have this, just kind of have this mental picture. They're sitting there maybe hoping that the Philistine army would just go away. They're, 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 maybe they're terrified. I'm sure they're terrified. And then one day, Jonathan gets up. He says, you know what? I'm not going to sit here any longer. I've got to do something. And so he steps out and he makes a brave choice. You see, fear will paralyze you. Fear will cause you to stay right there and not move. But Jonathan makes this, this choice. He says, I don't want to die, so I'm choosing today to live. I'm going to do something. And if I die doing something, well, at least I was doing something. Instead of just sitting and being passive. And every single day, you and I are negotiating those kind of choices. It doesn't always have to do with life and death. But every day, we're, we're making choices. In fact, this morning, many of you made some choices. Like, what were you going to wear? Some of you made great choices. <laughs> or maybe you made a choice this morning. Do I shower or do I not shower? And if there's nobody sitting next to you, well, then we know who you are. No, that's kidding. <laughs> Every day, you and I are negotiating choices. Every single day. And it's true for our faith as well. Every day, we're challenged between integrity and falsehood, between kindness and anger, between hope and dismay, between full life or no life. Every single day, we are making a choice. And so in this particular case, Jonathan makes a choice, and he makes a choice to live. Jesus has come to give us life, and life to the full, the Bible says. And when it says life, he's not talking about like you, biological life, like you're alive. I hope everybody in this room is alive, right? Take our pulse. I think we're alive. We're all alive. That's not what Jesus is talking about, though. Jesus is talking about a quality of life. And so maybe the contrast is not so much... It's not so much life and death, but the contrast is more like alive or existing. We are not called to just merely exist. We're called to live. And this particular day, Jonathan makes a choice to live. He's not going to go down in defeat. He's going to live. <clears throat> so the first step to living a brave life is to choose life. Choose life. Every day, you and I are faced with choices. Every single day. And so what will you choose? Some choices you make, they might seem small, but those choices actually open up a wide, a brand new, wide open highway of, of opportunity for you when you say, God, I'm going to choose to live. I'm going in that direction. So what choices are you facing today? For some of you, the choices, I, I, I choose to go all in. I want to go all in for you, Jesus. I want to serve you. I want, to get, I want my, my life to count. I'm tired of the, of the uh, inconsistent Christian life that I'm living. I want to start living a more consistent Christian life. For others of you, it might be a relational choice. You're going to choose, you know, what are you going to do with this relationship that you're in that maybe it's a, maybe it's a dating relationship and it's toxic. If there's a choice in front of you. What are you going to choose, right? <clears throat> So I think also faith will help us face uncertainty bravely. So first one is choice. When we make a choice, oftentimes we are launched into uncertainty. Like when God comes and he speaks to you and says, hey, this is where I want you to go. This is what I want you to do. He doesn't always say, this is how it's going to look 20 years from now. 
Oftentimes, the, the call to obey God says, this is what it looks like tomorrow. <laughs> and I don't, I'm not exactly sure what it's going to look like next week. That God's not saying this. I don't know. It's uncertainty. And too often, when, when we're facing uncertainty, we, we, we shrink back. Look at verse 6. This is Jonathan speaking to his young armor bearer. He says, Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, come, let's go over to the outpost of, outpost of those uncircumcised men, talking about the Philistines. He says, perhaps, and this is a word I want to land on right here real quick, on this verse. He says, perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. That's one sentence. Next sentence, nothing can hinder the Lord from saving whether by many or by few. So, so the second sentence, it tells me that his, his theology is intact. He knows that with God, nothing is impossible. But he's not exactly sure what's going to happen tomorrow. Perhaps the Lord, I used to joke around with this verse, you know, maybe we should say, you know, we should put this verse, like, highlight the perhaps part. Maybe God will, maybe God will help you, you know. That, that's not true. God will help you. But see, what's happening here is that what's being depicted is the uncertainty of the outcome, right? What's going to happen next for them? Perhaps the Lord will help us, he says. He had confidence in God, but the path forward was a bit uncertain. I think too many of us find ourselves in that place of uncertainty, and we don't move forward. We step back. You know the movie, the Indiana Jones movie, The Last Crusade, you know that one where he has to, they're looking for the, the chalice, you know, the, the, the cup of the Lord, and... Supposedly there's healing waters there, so much so that you just, you just never die if you drink from these waters. And in the end of the movie, there's this part where um, Indiana Jones' dad gets shot. And he's, he's in this cave, you know, and they know exactly where the chalice is. But the problem is, is that on this side of where the chalice is, is his father who is, who is, uh, who's been shot. And then over there where the chalice is, there is a, there is a, a, a chasm this big gap. Like over there is the prize, but to get over there, there's this big chasm in between. And so we, if you ever watched the movie, you know that he, he's like, he knows, yes, he's looking at this book and he finally says, reads, it's a leap of faith. And so he steps out and actually lands on something solid, although it's not visible. It's not seen, right? Probably seen the movie or not. <clears throat> what it really depicts for us is that oftentimes we find ourselves in a place where we need God to intervene, we need God to do something, but between, between where that is and the other, there is this impossibility in front of us. Like, how are we going to possibly get over there? <clears throat> how many of us have walked up to that chasm only to turn around and walk away? And we've done it maybe over and over again where we've even stopped trying because we just point in that direction. We say, well, that's impossible. It's impossible. It's impossible. And what happens oftentimes, we end up settling for a predictable life, a mediocre life. And so I wonder if there's not just an opportunity right now waiting for you, waiting for you to take that step of faith, to walk into the unknown, into the uncertain. Maybe it's an investment that you need to make. Maybe it's something at that level. Maybe it's a relational thing. Maybe it's you need to ask her out on a date, <laughs> you know. 
Maybe it's a career choice. Maybe it's God challenging you to start becoming generous with your, to have a, to, re, to, to reimagine your, your financial world and to understand that everything belongs to God and become, start becoming generous with what God has given you to steward. See, the Bible doesn't say go only when it's certain. I have to repeat that because I think maybe you're listening to me, but you're like, oh, I don't know. There's like 45 lights up here. And you're not really listening. <laughs> the Bible does not say go only when it's certain. It says go no matter what. Jesus didn't qualify and say go into all the world and preach the gospel. He didn't qualify and say go if it's okay, if you can make it, if you can make it happen, do it. Go no matter what. Your faith will also require you to risk. And we're, we're, we're a society that's risk adverse. <laughs> In fact, we always, like we, we have here, we're negotiating our insurance here at, at Life Church, you know, our liability insurance, and now we have several campuses and stuff, and we're having to do all of that. And, you know, what they want, what they're, what they're assessing is how risky is it to insure them? And as a culture, we have become very risk adverse. Jonathan takes this huge risk. He comes up with this battle plan. I have to be honest with you, it's the worst battle plan ever conceived in history, period. Okay, let's, let's, let's look at it. It says, Jonathan said, talking to his young aide, Jonathan said, come on then, we will cross over toward them and let them see us. Like this is his battle plan. The enemy's over there, they way outnumber us. We're gonna cross over and let them see us. That's already a bad battle plan. If they say to us, wait there until, you, until we come to you, we will stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. I'm like, wait a minute. Okay, I don't get that. I'm, not, I'm confused, Jonathan. How is that a sign? Like you're having to climb this cliff to get up. How is that a sign that God has given them to you? Obviously, the Lord has spoken to them. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost. So they did it. They stepped out in front of everybody and showed themselves, right? Look, said the Philistines. The Hebrews are crawling out of the holes they were hiding in. The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, come up to see us. In other words, that's the sign. Come up to see us and we will teach you a lesson. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. If I were Jonathan, I'd be like, okay, here's what we're going to do, armor bearer. We're going to get some ninja outfits. We're going to cover up in black. And in the cloak of darkness, we're going to sneak up into the outpost and we're going to take out as many as we can until daylight. And then we'll retreat back and then the next day we'll do the same thing. That's not what Jonathan did. Jonathan steps into the moment and he exposes himself. He basically goes beyond the point of no return. And oftentimes faith is really about that. Faith is about saying, God, I believe you. I trust you. I know that you can do this. I'm afraid that you won't do it, but I, I know that you can. And so am I gonna, which one am I gonna listen to? Well, I know that you can. So you step out and now you're exposed. I remember when we, when we, uh, uh, we went from the rec center to North Liberty and in March of that, of 2009, I believe, 
we, um, uh, I, got up on, I got up and I, I kind of preached a sermon. There's like 45, 50 people there. And I got up and I preached and I told them like the vision for the next three years. And I said, I said this. I said, I said um, by this time next year, this was the word. By this time next year, we're going to be in our own building because we were set up, tear down at the rec center. By this time next year, we're going to be in our own building, number one. Number two, we are going to, by the end of this year, we're going to double our missions giving. We were a small church, very limited finances, number two. And then number three is, and every year for the next three years, we're going to double in attendance. I said it. And then I went home, and then I started crying. It's like, what did I just do? We can't do this. This is impossible, right? But here's the thing. I put myself in a position. We put ourselves in a position, not just me, but our team. We put ourselves in a position to be seen. Now it's out there. Now it's do or die. Now we have to do it. We don't have a choice any longer. I think too many of us live these tentative lives. Everything has to be so calculated that we leave no room for God to do amazing things to surprise us in our life, right? God is calling you to go beyond the point of no return. It reminds me of this movie, Gattaca, um, 1997 movie, the, the, the lead character is a guy named was Vince, uh, played by Ethan Hawke. And uh, the, the movies, the premise of the movie is about, um, you know, uh, genetically engineered people that were designed for space travel, you know, and so, or space exploration. And so Vince was not, he was not, gen- he was genetically inferior, so he had no chances of going to space, but he wanted to, right? In the movie, there is a competition. His younger brother was and capable of it. But in the movie, there was this competition between him and his brother all the time. They would swim out in this lake, and the first to turn around would lose. That was the, that was the, the, the idea. Time after time, they would swim out. Vince would be the first one to turn back because he, he was afraid that he was just going to drown. But there comes this moment in the movie where he decides, I have to do this. And so he starts swimming, and he decides, I am not turning back. I either win or I drown, but I'm not turning back. And exactly what happens, he saved nothing for the swim back. And God is calling all of us to step into that kind of relationship and not stop living tentative lives and save nothing for the swim back. Listen, it's going to require risk. And it is scary. I, can, I know that. In fact, in this story, Jonathan exposes himself. And when he does that, he's risking, but then that's where God steps in. It results in something pretty powerful. You see, unleashed faith will always result in influence. Unleashed faith will always result in interest. And what I find interesting about this story is that here's this young Jonathan and his young armor bearer, and they make a choice. And the choice is to step into the unknown, into the uncertain. They make it, they, it's risky. And now it's time for God to move. <laughs> now, if we were writing the story, if we were writing this story, it's interesting. This is probably how we would write it. Because there's a lot of movies out there that kind of like depict this kind of story. You know, the, the, the David versus Goliath kind of idea. And uh, oftentimes when it's army against army, but 
small army versus a big gigantic army. You know, it's always like, well, you know, they fought valiantly. And so we will memorialize them because they were heroes. They fought valiantly. There was just all this courage. But, you know, in the end, they all died. I I think that that's kind of how we would normally write a story like this. It's just them two. And there's thousands and thousands of Philistines. There's no way they can win. Right? But this story actually ends differently. It's a story of how a young prince and his armor bearer changed the course of history. They stepped out and they became influential because of their bravery. You see, in the story, in response to their faith, God enters into the equation. And this is what I want to challenge us on this morning is that I know it's scary. I know it's scary to risk. I know it's scary to step into uncertainty. But here's the thing. God is with you. God is with you. God is with you. God steps into the equation. Guess what happens? An earthquake happens. And when that earthquake happens, I mean, it just launches the Philistine army into chaos. Um, They start fighting each other, you know. You see, the faith of Jonathan has this ripple effect. What it does is it basically begins to, to change things around him because he steps out of faith. Others around him are experiencing that. And what happens is Jonathan becomes the epicenter of God's activity at that moment in time because he stepped out in faith. He believed God. And it has this amazing ripple effect, so much so that you find that the un, it unleashes the faithful. This young armor bearer who who is, uh, he's not even trained for war yet, and he becomes a warrior. It restores the rebellious. You have these Israelites who basically have turned on their own people. They've been conscripted into the Philistine army. They wake up after this earthquake. They wake up and they realize, hey, we're we're not going to do this. So they, they basically turn on the Philistines. It ignites the apathetic. Saul and his 600 men who are basically hoping that it all goes away. They're just kind of apathetic about the whole situation. And it heals the broken. Those who were hiding out in caves, those who were terrified, rise up to the occasion as well. I wrote these out intentionally because I'm going to be honest with you guys. Can I speak frankly about where I'm at? I feel like I'm just blabbing about faith and about trusting God, and about launching out and doing something for God. And this is really like burning inside of me. I know it is, but I feel like I'm just talking about it, talking about it. But what I really want is to see God set us on fire. I want to see revival break out. And I don't, hear me when I say this, before you go off and say, I'm not talking about classic views of revival. I'm talking about a genuine move of the Holy Spirit inside of us that begins to move among us and into this community and lives are transformed. And when I say that, this is what I, what I mean. This is what I believe revival looks like. It unleashes the faithful, it restores the rebellious, it ignites the apathetic and it heals the broken. And God can do that with us if we will just step out. So it brings us back to the very beginning. It starts with a choice. Will you advance or will you retreat? Will you advance or will you retreat? Let's all stand. In the story, Jonathan becomes the epicenter of God activity. Like, there's this ripple effect that happens as a result of, of his willingness to step out in faith.
I started thinking about that this morning and started to imagine, what if, what if the 900 or so people that call themselves part of Life Church became epicenters of God's activity? I, I, know, I know, you're sitting there, you're listening to me, you're looking at me, you're like, yeah, Rich, maybe that person, but not me. Feels unlikely, maybe. But if you look at the story of Jonathan and his armor, it was very unlikely that what happened would have happened on the surface. And so I want to speak faith into your heart this morning. I don't know what you're negotiating. I don't know what choices are in front of you. I don't know what challenges you feel you have. I don't know what relational dynamics you feel need to be overcome. I really don't know a whole lot of things about those things. But I know a God that is able to intervene into, into put himself in the equation and change our circumstances where we can become epicenters of God's activity. We have prayer teams here on the left and right. We're going to pray here in a second. Worship team's going to lead us. And I'm going to encourage you, those of you in Cedar Rapids the same way, I'm going to encourage you to step out and say, God, I'm ready to go all in. Whatever it is you want with me, I'm ready. I'm ready to go all in. I make the choice today to step into the uncertainty, to take a few risks, to be seen. Amen? Amen. Father, I just want to thank you, God, because you're moving in this place. Holy Spirit, you're speaking to us. You're challenging us. Lord, you, your name needs to be glorified in this city, in this state, in this nation, and around the world. And you use people like us, ordinary people like us. So, Father, will you help us to step out in faith, to see your kingdom advance in Jesus' name.